Dundalk have gone where no Irish club has ever been before. Hello, everybody. You're very welcome to LOI Weekly. This is episode four. This could be a bit of the sort of Hamlet without the Prince special this week as Johnny is away. Uh, so it's Dan stepping in on presenting duties. He is off doing his day job in Cheltenham and probably a couple of other jobs as well, knowing Johnny. But we are aiming to maybe catch up with him later on and see, get a couple of tips, see how his week going. He's probably going to want to speak about this Derry City 33-1 to bet that he's got with me, but we might revisit that later in the hour. But in his absence, Damien Lynch is here. Damien Lynch is back and slightly liberated, I think, by the absence of uh, Johnny here. You, you walked in, you're not very conscious about your attire. No one slagged my jumper. No one has shouted at me yet. So it's been a good, good start to the show so far. What I can say is that the energy and the, the start of the show this week, I think, has gone up a notch. You yeah. know, I think we've really improved after the first sort of shaky few weeks But I, uh, with Johnny introducing the show. But Dan, you've absolutely nailed that. It's going well. It's going well. We also have Aidan Fitzmaurice from the Evening Herald here making his... Debbie on the show. Not only is Debbie on the show, it's like a podcasting debut for Aiden. Uh, it's like a brave new world. Brave new. I heard about this thing called the internet and uh, podcasting, all these newfangled notions that have come along. So I'm going to give it a and go. And how do you feel about them generally? Give it a go. Okay. Love the energy. Can sit, really feel it. Aiden's really getting into it here. I'll see. As, as Michael Leary said years ago about the internet, he said, internet is a cod. It'll never catch on. So uh, we'll see how it goes. As ever, folks, I would say. Thank you for all the messages last week and indeed over the first three weeks. You can contact us as ever on at LOI Weekly on Twitter. You can also find us on iTunes and SoundCloud and, and give us your reactions there. We will be getting around to some of your comments later on. Also on today's show, in addition to the company of the two lads, we've got Shane Supple, the Bohemians keeper, popping in to speak to us about their recent revival. We've got four-man Nathan Boyle. Uh, from Derry City, they're obviously got a 100% record and he's been in goal-scoring form. And also, in the week that the Provisional Ireland squad was named for Ireland-Wales, we've got former Dundalk man Andy Boyle is going to catch up with us later on and tell us how life is going for him. He's after breaking into the side at, at Preston. But before that, Aidan, how long have you been covering League of Ireland football? 20 years, 20th 20 years. anniversary, yeah. And in that time, uh, and sort of in the pantheon of colourful managers that you've worked with, where would Kenny Shields rank in that regard? Um, he probably other. I think Pat Dolan at his at his prime, Derek McKeeley. I think a lot of there was an era there where managers saw it as personal little battles. I think they saw it as their job, not just to manage the teams, but to to try and drive the issue. And and Derek McKeeley, Pat Dolan, Roddy Collins would have had regular battles, having pops off each other in in the media, trying to get a bit of bit of a bit of things going. Um, they would have used you for that effectively. I mean, would the would you be taking phone calls from managers at, at particular times looking to stir things up? I think so, yeah, but they, plans, they, they admitted that themselves. They planted stories and they did things just to try. And I think Roddy said at one stage that I think Shells were playing bows in a big game and I think Roddy and, and uh, Dermot kind of came together and said, look, why don't we you know, create something here? That I can't even remember what it was, but they invented some, some story just to try and get a bit of back page coverage, a bit of, uh, of coverage. Kind of gone. I think a lot of management has changed now. Uh, it's, you know, with, with you know, pro-license coaching, it's also kind of streamlined and I think it takes a lot of the sterilized isn't it? Like sterilized yeah, yeah, yeah it takes a lot of the characters out of it because you, you do this you, you, you go through your, you go up the ladder you go to Ajax or you go somewhere Dundee United you learn your bits and you, you come back and particularly as well in the FEI now where it's so strict with the licensing and you, you can't say anything at all about the FEI gets you gets you in trouble but Kenny I think he's interesting I think he's uh, 
So the communist way of working seems to work for, for the FBI in terms kind of, of yeah. you're not allowed to say anything about the regime. But, 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 yeah. but I think it, it drives out, it drives out. Interim managers are really, really are afraid to say what they think. They yeah. really, really are afraid because they know that uh, it could get them a ban, it could get them a fine, it could get the club in trouble, even programme notes, because you know that the FBI read every single line that's published. Uh, I know somebody who publishes a club programme and their biggest fear is not, you know, making, making deadline or having enough money to pay the printer. It's offending the FAI in, in, in the programme notes or in the manager's notes, so that's been driven out. But Kenny's uh, he's interesting. Yeah, I, I mean, he doesn't really worry too much about offending his parish, given that he's a Derry City manager who makes persistent references to the mainland in interviews. I mean, that is uh, a man who's clearly confident in his own work and in his own place. And I, mean, I was up in Bunkran on Monday, uh, and the reason we're talking about Kenny Shields and Derry is they've had such a fantastic start to the season. He, he comes out to do his post-match interview. He's got like a half-eaten chicken burger in his hand, <laughs> sort of munching away on it mid-question. And he is still trying to play up to this line that, listen, we're only a wee country team. We don't have a hope of winning the league. But in the same breath, he then describes Barry McNamee as the best player in the country in his position by a mile. Better than Patrick McElhenney, better than anyone. And I'm just wondering, Damien... As a player, I, don't, I think you know, you've worked with a variety of different managers during your career. Did you actually follow what they were saying in the press? Did it, did it have any impact on you or did you know there's mind games here, there's, there's games going on with this? Yeah, I think over the years, managers, and one of, one of my main managers, Paul Doolan, would always say, like, uh, what I say to the press is one thing, what I say in the dressing room is going to be a very different thing. And it was very clear when he went out, he always looked at it, he was going to defend his players to, to the press and he would never be critical of someone to a journalist um, after a match or anything like that. But in the dressing room, it would be very different than he'd, he'd call it as it is. So, yeah, but then when you look at sort of Stephen in his early days, Stephen, he, Kenny. Stephen Kenny, he was quite honest at times. You know, Pete Mann, when I, he was managing me at Derry as well, was quite honest with, with the press as well. So I've had mixed ways, but as a player, the one thing, I, I, you don't want your manager going to the press and, and sort of accusing the players of, of not trying or anything like that because I don't think that gets you anywhere. I think... It's a closed unit. I, I have been in a dressing room where we were coming to the end of um, the season and the, 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 the group wasn't buying into us at the end of my, my time at Pats. We didn't have a great group of players in the dressing room. And when we were looking at it, if Pete had gone and criticised us publicly, I think it would have been even made things even worse. So he just got everyone together and everything, everything he said to the press was one thing, but what was said in the dressing room was very different. So yeah, it's been, it's had some interesting managers over the years and how they approach it. But um, generally, as a, when I was a player, I always wanted them to... to sort of have the official party line publicly and be honest in the dressing room afterwards. And, and not, not very exciting. Paul Dillon would manage that honesty in the dressing room. Exceptionally well. Exceptionally yeah. well. I mean, Gato, just in terms of this Derry City thing, um, and Kenny Shields is doing his best to play down the fact that they're not title challengers, we're only a, a wee team, but are they title challengers? Is this a, a plausible story for this season? Because we've, we've had a double round of fixtures. Derry have beaten Shamrock Rovers and Tala on Friday. They've beaten Dundalk on Monday. That's been the story of the, of the double round we've had since the last show. So uh, can Derry actually really get in there and compete this year? I think they'll be close. I mean, I think for, for a couple of clubs this year, the challenge was you know, repeating last year. It looks already like Sligo Rovers are going to struggle how well they did last year. The challenge for Derry was to repeat that. The disadvantage this year are possibly an advantage in that they're not in the Brandywell, that they're in, in McGinn Park. Uh, it was interesting to see how that would go in terms of new surroundings. But I think that they've enough players to do it. What they don't have is the pressure um, 
Dundalk are expected to win it four in a row. Cork are under real pressure. You know, John Caulfield now has to deliver a trophy a year, so there's pressure there. I don't think that's there. And Kenny Shields is what he's saying. You know, he's he's playing a bit to the to the, to the gantry and saying that we're just a wee team and and. Uh, I don't think the, the fans of the, uh, the, the players take too much. You know, he's trying to create a bit of a divide. He's gone on about the Dublin media. That's a, that's a great old trick, you know, them down there in Dublin. There, you that's know, everywhere in the country. Yeah, well, yeah, but but I mean, Damien Richardson used to do that as well when he was a Cork manager. We're at one stage a great comment how we're, we're being ridden raw down here in Cork <laughs> by Dublin, and it was appealing into not just a, a football thing, a League of Ireland thing, a general Cork Cork thing. And Derry has a, does have a different different mindset. And Kenny Shields is very clever. The language he used. You, you mentioned mainland earlier on. When you come from that part of the world. You use phrases very carefully. We use the word the North or Northern Ireland or the, the province. Those words have huge, huge meaning. Jerry Adams has never said Northern Ireland in his life. Martin McGuinness has never ever used those two words, Northern Ireland. It's always the North or the North of Ireland. So in Kenny Shields in saying the mainland, he knew what he was saying. It was, it was just a little, little bit of fun and it's winding people up and, and uh, he's very clever at doing it. I think he's very calculated, isn't he? Because when oh, you hear yeah, him, like even yeah. last year, at one stage he was complaining that, that they had to travel too far <coughs> to, to away games and yet you're looking... Your play f you manage Derry. Derry are based here. There's not a hell of a lot we can do here in terms of the tr how long it takes to get to Cork or Dublin or anything like that. But I think he's unbelievably calculated in, in how he goes about things. He, he talk about Mourinho and back the way he, he scripts things and when he goes out. But genuinely, when you look at him the other night coming in, eating the chicken burger, whatever he's doing, he's doing all that on purpose. And I think in the dressing room, I have no doubt he's saying to his players, we can really challenge but, but this But he's year. entertaining and you need those characters. Oh, you do, yeah, it's but great. In this league, you need those and characters. And maybe it's a bit of fun as well. One of his most famous comments is when he said about the international football last year that the Republic of Ireland were England reserves and Northern Ireland are England's reserve reserves. Um, apart from the fact that he's from Northern Ireland, his son played for Northern Ireland. So he's uh, somebody members of the reserve reserves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's, he's, you know, in theory, if he's being serious, he's denigrating. You know, if you grow up b believing that you know one cap for any country is is the highlight of your career, so he's denigrated his own son's achievement. So I don't think he really believes that. It's just, you know, maybe he just wants to be interesting because, as I said earlier on, you like a lot of managers now. It's so it's so anodyne, it's so sterile. Managers are so afraid to say anything that. You know, we're, we're talking about them and a lot of managers in the league, you know, you wouldn't even know who they are. Well, and people outside of that bubble wouldn't know who they are. Well, hey, Edo, they're just words and, and that's what podcasts are about as well. Reminder, LOI Weekly Podcast every Thursday. Have you been on that yet, Brian? Will you be on the podcast? I'm sure I will be if I get a chance to get an invitation <laughs> or whatever. I don't know how it works. I mean, do they use someone ring you when you're in your car and say, you're on the podcast, away <laughs> you go. Well, the good news is it's an hour long. Keep the phone turned on, I'm sure that call is coming. I can't wait. I always love an old podcast. <laughs> I always love to hear the figures after. Five people listen to you. <laughs> I think we can offer you more than five, Brian. But what we'll do is when we find out you're on it, we'll promote it very heavily. That should ensure no one listens to it. Well, the good news for Brian is that he's free for another week from our call. But Shane Supple is here, and the Bohemians goalkeeper. And we're very happy to have you in, Shane. How are you keeping? Not too bad, lads. Thanks for having me. Um, you're a busy man at the moment. I mean, I know since your time sort of coming into the League of Ireland, you, you initially came in when you sort of dual commitments with GA and Bridget. You still have that. You have a goalkeeping academy now as well. Just tell us about how you're keeping busy at the moment and what's your sort of working week panning out like. Um, well, it's busy. Obviously, Bowes is the, kind of the main priority at the moment. Um, we've gone a couple of extra days a week as well, so it's uh, it's been intense getting through pre-season. So how many days are you doing now? Like, what's your Between four and five, I suppose, depending on game situations. And obviously, this week has been um, busy with games, so the gaffer has given us a couple of days off, which I think the lads deserve after the last two results. So, um, But up until that, um, we'd be going a couple of 
couple extra days a week, so you know Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday games, obviously, and then something the weekends. So it's been it's been busy enough, and obviously the the GA is still part of my life. So um, I'm trying to keep in with the lads there when I can, but step back a little bit in terms of um, the training and how much I'm doing with the guys. So it's just the odd game here and there when I when I can. Look, I appreciate your story is well told at this stage, and you're probably sick that every interview is like, <laughs> "Oh, you're at Ipswich. You came yeah. home. Why did you leave?" And, and this is like, this is like, <laughs> no. The, the whole point is we're not going to we're not going to go through. Yeah, right. If anyone wants to know, you just numerous Jesus interviews Christ, you can yeah. research out there. But can I just ask you, like, like have you enjoyed coming back to? I suppose a, a form of professional football. I mean, the days you're doing are pretty close to it now, anyway. More than you thought you would, because I mean, there was a point where you maybe thought you wouldn't get back to this to this level ever. Are you actually enjoying it now? I get the sense that you are just from chatting to you. Before. Yeah, no, hundred percent. And to be honest, I never thought it would be back at any level, whether it was you know League of Ireland or Leinster Senior League, which I came back into first, really, or Crumlin United. So it was just by chance, I suppose, and by one or two people, you know, nagging me. Um, and getting back in and playing and realised that I kind of I was enjoying it you know I missed it a little bit didn't realise obviously um, but the last couple of weeks and months have been have been very enjoyable and I've got the the love back for the game I suppose Johnny Ward normally presents like to ask people their age on the spot but how old are you now Shane? I'm 29 now that's I mean they're still young for a goalkeeper now you might have a hopefully a yeah ahead of you. I'd like to think I've got another few years you know I've, I've looked after myself well and you know, we never know. Some keepers have gone into their forties. I don't know <laughs> whether I get that long, but um, if I'm still playing in a, a decent, um, a decent level, and I'm happy with my performance, I'll play as long as I can. To be honest. And how has the season gone so far? Obviously, a bit of a slow start, mm-hmm. but the last two games have been great. How's how's things panned out for you guys overall? <laughs> Obviously, the last two results have have helped things massively. You know, looking at the first two games, it, it was tough. You know, it, we played well in the games as well, but the goals we conceded were, you know, down to our, our own downfall really, and. So we knew we'd played well, we, we knew we had a good pre-season and you know, there was a great buzz around the place. So I was surprised at how the first two games kind of ended up. Um, the, the Bray game then on the, on the Friday just gone was a funny game as well because we played really well in that game and I never felt we were under massive pressure. And then we come out in the second half and can see straight away and then straight after that another goal and I thought, Jesus Christ, here we go again. This wasn't here, yeah. meant to be, you know. So, but the lads stuck together and... Um, Dinny again um, was prolific and, and Wardy had a great great game that night so that set us up for the game against Limerick on the Monday. Yeah, there's always turning points at the start of the season if you have a bad start and you, then two games in it doesn't go well. Obviously the, the third game you're 2-0 down and then you get that win. Is everyone in the dressing room now like this is where we should be, it's kicking on from here in terms of the two wins in a row? Yeah, I, I'd like to think so. Um, the mood is, is obviously good after the last two results but I, I felt in pre-season we got a good group in you know, people are obviously looking at us like yourselves and that, and and w- which is understandable because of the. We were always optimistic. Yeah. <laughs> Just <laughs> don't listen to the previous episodes. <laughs> I didn't. I'm listening to any yet, so I'll listen back. Um, but yeah, I was quite optimistic, obviously going in, and, and then we get the injuries just before the start of the season with Izzy and and Owen Wearing, who are massive losses. You know, the week leading up to the first game, and of course, people are going to be thinking and questioning um, us and themselves as a group. Um, but we, as I said, we played well in those games. And we know we know what's in it. I think there's good character in the group, and that and that's just showed against Bray as well to come from the two goals down in the second half, you know, because we could have easily folded. And I suppose a lot of people would have expected us to fold, bearing in mind that the two previous results. But it was a great performance, um, and then go down to Limerick. You know, we were in we were in good fettle, and 
we, we produced a, a decent enough performance. It's tough going down there. Um, we were solid. We defended very well. And then he again stepped up and got the goal. He's cool. He's calm. And he put it away for us. And we, we managed to see the game out comfortably enough in the end. But yeah, I think there's good character in the group. You said you, you brought in a few people. I suppose Trevor Crawley coming in as the assistant manager there. It's interesting. You've got Keith as manager and then Trevor coming in, who's been a manager in the league, managed one of the biggest clubs. Allegedly, uh, in Shamrock Rovers. Um, Allegedly? <laughs> dig in there. In terms of uh, how's Trevor f fitting in, I know when I worked with him at Pats, he was a fantastic coach. Has he been a, a big change or a, di a difference the way you guys are doing things now? Yeah, a different dynamic he's brought to the training. I know when I heard he was coming in, the lad said he's an excellent coach. I'd never come across him before, really. Um, but in the pre-season, he showed that uh, his training sessions are unbelievable. I have to say, one of the best I've ever worked with. And the way he explains things to the lads, he makes it so simple to understand. The training is very enjoyable. You know, you move from one session to the to the next, and it's something different every time. So, he's been great. He's been a breath of fresh air, 100%. And I think he's um, helped the gaffer obviously in that respect because he had a lot on his plate last last year, and he's you know he has a lot trying to do everything down there in the club. He said we're not, we're not full time, so it's it's a tricky one. But Trevor's been a massive uh, influence on the group this year, and the lads have really taken to him. Can you talk a bit, Shane, about the the type of club Bohemians is now and expectations? I mean, this is a club who, you know, a few years ago, thirteen years ago, sacked Stephen Kenny for for losing the UEFA Cup game, where. I know from speaking to people at the club where winning the league and European qualification was built into the budget, so it was it was assumed, whereas now both have been in Europe for I think six years. Could be a long time before they're in Europe and challenging for a trophy again. So what's the mood in the dressing room? Obviously the way that things have changed, I suppose, just before the, the Christmas and the structure of the leagues and that you're, and I think the Gaffer's budget was spent um before that, so you're looking at three going down. Um again obviously we haven't got a, a massive budget, but I think he's 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 brought in good boys, good lads, um, good character. So I don't think, you know, there'll be an issue there. Obviously, looking at the first two results, everyone's writing us off. So you're thinking, Jesus, maybe we are going to be down amongst them. But the lads, you know, we want to do well. We want to try win every game. Obviously, we'd lo love to be in a shout for a cup, um, if we could. Um, but realistically, oh, you know, we we are, I suppose, as a group, realistic on where where we stand. We're not going to be up probably competing with the likes of Dundalk and Cork with them and the finances they have and the squads they have. But mm. like, I mean, Shane, what's your assessment of, of the overall quality of League of Ireland football at the moment? Just in terms of the facilities you encounter, in terms of some of the away grounds you visit, um, just on a sort of week-to-week -week basis? Facilities, like if you're comparing it to England or anything like that, it's on a t completely different level, you know, or, or way down on that, but... Does it take a while mentally to get used to that? No, no. <laughs> not me anyway, but yeah. I, I kind of like that about the league. You know, you're going to these different grounds. There's, there's a bit of character about the ground, I suppose, and, and the people that do be, do be around the place. And even the, even the lads you come across, you're playing against. There's just something different about it. And I suppose, I don't know, pure kind of about the, about the league. Standard, standard is, is good, I, I feel. Um, comparing it to England, you know, you're looking at maybe League 2 you know, level yeah. possibly, but most of the lads are Irish in the league. They want to play and do well in the league and, you know, s support the league. And for some of them, obviously, it's a way to get across the water maybe, but I think the quality is very high and it has improved in the last couple of years. I had I'd always kept an eye on the league, but now playing in it, I see looks like Sidderi and, and obviously Dundalk and what they've done um, and cl clubs like Limerick, you know, they've great teams as well. So I think the standard is, is really improving in the league. There's a lot of young lads coming in as well and they're getting opportunities to you know to play early doors, which wouldn't happen in England, I don't think, or it doesn't happen in England, I know that. So it's a great platform for, for younger boys as well to come on early and get and get a you know, a full hole on, on their careers and 
earlier than they would have got a chance in England or anywhere else. Yeah. Can you talk a bit about the being at Ipswich and maybe the link between Ipswich Town FC and, and the town in terms of its importance and as players how you're known and here because you know most of Bohemian's players now you know they're, they're not that well known obviously the profile of the, the club has dropped but can you talk about that a bit I mean w- would you have gone to matches when you were you were a kid or you're a local lad I mean yeah yeah Declan's they would have been yeah like exactly went to school in St Declan's down the road and um, Bowes was my local club and so I would have gone down actually Derek Swan managed me when I was younger at a home farm himself and uh, Jerry Garvin were the managers there so I used to go and watch Swanee on a, on a Friday night in, in Daily Mount and I thought that was great because he was managing me and you know on a Saturday morning so I would have had an affiliation with the club I suppose um, being, being a local enough lad to it so um, but it is similar enough in terms of, of the Ipswich Town setup, um being a, a country kind of a, a town, Ipswich, um everyone knows everyone. Um but and Bowes again, you know, you, the fans are that's why I was surprised actually the other night. It really hit home to me against Rovers after the game, although we lost against our biggest rivals. They stayed out and they clapped us after the game. We came out for a warm down. I think again going back to how realistically how realistic the club is I think the fans are realistic. They understand all they want to see is us giving hundred percent and I think they've they see that even in the games we've lost, we've tried, you know, things haven't come off for whatever reason. But it, it, that's a, a real plus for, for us as players to you know to have that support and the Bray game. Then you know you're getting back to three two, the buzz and the atmosphere. I love that 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 end of the ground when when we win games when we score, like the place goes crazy. Um, and it, you know it, it, I don't really realise how much it means to the to the players to have that you know on a on a weekly basis or every couple of weeks in daily mount. It's a, it's a great place to play your football. I mean, it's, it's early days in the season, lads, but I think uh, I, I think we're beginning to see some teams take shape. I mean, Damo, I know you went to see Drawdown Cork on Friday and Derry of 100% record, so did Cork. Um, bit of a maybe blip against Sligo, but they got the job done in the end. But what did you make of them in Drawdown? They were okay. They weren't great now. When you, when you actually look at the overall performance, 4-1 is a flattering result for them in terms of how they set up. Um, it was a bit of an, an interesting... The, the referee ruined the game, to be honest with you. He, he sent um, Purdy off early, Purdy, yeah. and it wasn't, a, it wasn't a sending off, and, and that kind of ruined it. It was a, a strange one as well. Three of the goals were, were from set pieces um, from, from Cork as well. So they never really got going, and that's one thing I was impressed with with them. Last year, the year before, when, when Cork were, were playing, they either had to play brilliant and win, or else if they didn't play well, they'd lose. So it was kind of like they grounded out, and even listen to John Caulfield afterwards, he wasn't overly impressed with the performance. So I think... They're really one that they're, they're going to hit the ground running because when they start playing well, I really fancy them. And if you look up top, Maguire again, he just looks so sharp. But four different goal scorers, I think, again. So um, yeah, they're looking really, really impressive overall. Has, has Maguire impressed you, Shane? Yeah, definitely. I remember we played against him last season, the back end of the season. When I came in down there in Cork, and he's really lively. You have to be very aware. He plays in the shoulder the whole time, and he got a couple of chances. Although we we got a, a good nil nil draw, I don't know how we got it, but. Um, he is he is very lively and a, and a serious threat. And to have a player like that in your in your arsenal is is massive. And it's no reason or no surprise that they've been competing in the last couple of years. And maybe this is the year to make it over the line. Edo, you went to Pats and Harps on Monday. Uh, how was that? I, I didn't read positive reports initially about the overall game. Grim. It was a poor g- poor quality game. I think even Ollie Ollie Horgan admitted after uh, it wasn't not the kind of game you put on DVD and watch again. He was delighted. Absolutely, that was you know a huge three points for them to come down to Dublin. Finn Harps, though, cliche, long, long, long way to travel. But on a Monday, I haven't played on Friday, but to get that result. But a strange game. I mean, Harps had, had two chances, both of them given to by Pats, and they scored two goals. Pats had numerous chances to win the game, and just, just something not quite right about St. Pats at the moment. It was a, 
even from the start, the atmosphere, I got to the ground at about quarter past seven and um, actually thought I'd have gone to th got the wrong night at the wrong ground because it wasn't a single person from where I parked my car walking up to the gates of Richmond Park. I didn't see one single person in Emmett Road. And it, it's just wrong. The crowd was poor. There was 890, I think, there. And on Monday night, didn't help. It was a Man U Chelsea was on the TV, but just something not quite right with Pats at the moment. Christy Fagan is in the team. He looked lively when he came on. Uh, Joshua Hannon played up front, but just the, the defence giving away silly, silly goals. The, the midfield just doesn't have that balance. I think Patrick Craig hasn't really bedded in yet. Joshua Hannon has started the last couple of games, but, but hasn't really threatened. It just doesn't look right. It's not like there's one area. I think you know some of the problems with Bohemians earlier on was the, the goals they were conceding. It was, it was simple mistakes. Cut them out, and we'll be okay. And that seems to have happened in the last two games. But with St. Pat's, it just looks to be uh, across. And just the night, the atmosphere in the night, there was nobody there. It was just just not right at the moment. And, and lads, I mean, I was, I was just curious. Like both both of you, Damo and Shane, haven't played. Um, when when you go to a game on a sort of a Monday night and there is a crowd that's well below the norm, I mean, can it affect you in any way? Is it sort of does that sort of subdued nature of the occasion kind of have any impact on your own? Yeah, would have, it would do absolutely. Um, when you come out and there's no one there, you, you want to be playing in front of the crowds, and particularly if things aren't going well. You know, if you're down at Pats and there's 800 people there and you aren't playing well, you can hear people getting onto mm -hmm. you a lot more, and you just there's no atmosphere in the ground. So I always the bigger the crowds, the better, just to get the atmosphere in the in the ground. So absolutely, it, it does affect you as a player. Don't shame with you. Yeah, no, 100%, especially if you're playing at home and there's a, a small crowd. I think if you're uh, going to an away ground as a player and you sometimes see a small crowd for the home team, you're kind of licking your lips a little bit here, like we have a chance or we, you know, maybe they don't fancy it or whatever. So, But yeah, home games especially, I think you like to have your, your crowd behind you and they, they can play a vital part in it. I think it's well, an interesting one with Pats when you look at momentum so this year with the three teams going down if you have a bad start the first round of games there's a lot of know? talk about it already yeah. does it become a self-fulfilling prophecy that people are talking about the three teams going down mm. and it's putting pressure on teams from an early stage absolutely you know? yeah and you look at Liam Buckley already he's going to be under pressure um, I, I think every club has to give their manager at least 15 games to, to get in get up and running because you've backed them at the start of the season you've, you've, you've trusted them to pick the squad um, you've given them the budget so I think Liam will be fine in terms of what he wants to do but in terms of momentum in a football club, if, if 800 people are turning up, that's going to affect the next gate as well. And people just won't be turning up. And I think that can, that can really have an effect the longer that goes on. So I seen Pats two weeks ago, and what really worried me was there was no spirit. You know, it's not a case of them. They just, even when they went to goal down, and we heard last week with Stephen, he was talking about Drogheda knew they were just going to go and win the game. There's no one in the middle of the park. Like, as you said, Craig hasn't settled in yet. So um, they're really lacking something. And I don't know if it's a case if you bring in some young lads or something just to, to create that spark to get it going, but th they'll certainly need to do that. Just, just, uh, sorry, just, just quickly, Shane. What's Shane Supple's favourite venue then uh, to go to away ground in the league? Um, Cork City, probably. Turner's Cross yeah, is it. Yeah, yeah I like Turner's Cross now. Um, probably because they got a half-decent result down there last year in a clean sheet. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's a lovely ground, lovely pitch. And again, the fans... Right, you get a lot of stick, obviously, from the shed end, I think it is, is it? Yeah. down there. Um, well, I think the bottom end is going to be just a real dogfight because at the top, I think you're already you're, you're looking like uh, Dundalk and Cork City, Derry and Sean McGrove are trying to challenge them. And you can look at things in terms of a series of games or look ahead. And if you lose one, you can, well, we're okay, look ahead. But I think at the bottom, week to week, and the longer pa St. Pat's go on without a result, the longer Galway go on, you know, Brave, Brave, two, two bad results in a row. I think it's going to be just week to week. It's going to be very nervous for, for fans. And who are we uh, going to write off this week? I don't know. We'll have to see. We'll have to see. A <laughs> double fixture really leaves us the skulls to be badly wrong. We've only got one round of games this week. But 
the, the story of last week, and we touched on a bit earlier, and a new ground as well, Derry City. I did make my way up to McGinn Park in Bunkrana on Monday, the ladder up to the press box. It's, uh, Is it true it's you were complaining on Twitter about the, 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 the lack of luxury? And yes. I, I did, well, it's not. You don't go to a League of Ireland press box for luxury. And I mean, Shane would notice all these GA <laughs> lads were saying you're soft just because you have to climb a ladder, a 10-foot ladder, and you might fall and possibly... Like, I mean, I'm, I was okay, but there's some lads covering the league who are not going to make it through. You know, <laughs> not going to make it through. But I did see a very good game on Monday night, or certainly a very uh, experienced, a very good occasion. And Derry City beat Dundalk, and one of the stars of the start of the season for Derry City has been Nathan Boyle, who scored in that game. Fortunately, scored twice against Bowes earlier in the season as well, Shane. But uh, Nathan joins us on the line to chat about his season so far. Nathan, you're very welcome to the show, and I suppose congratulations on your excellent start to the season. I'm guessing the experience in Bunkrana on Monday night was much better than the experience in Bunkrana when the floodlights went against Limerick. I mean, how, how enjoyable was the occasion on Monday? Yeah, there was, was a big difference from the first game to the second game. It was uh, a great game to be a part of. Um, the, fans, the fans were great. Um, it, was an exci- it was very exciting, to be honest. What sort of buzz has it created? I know there's a sort of a, a novelty value. I know a lot of people in Derry would go to Buncrana socially sort of sometimes, but I mean, the first two games have been sold out. It, it does seem like the people there have embraced it rather than it being a hindrance to you leaving your, your sort of natural home. Yeah, exactly. There's a lot that's, that's warmed it. Um, even the area of Buncrana and, and Ashwin, Donegal itself, um, there's a lot of good games that would follow it, but we couldn't get the games in Derry for time or whatever but they, they can get the games in McGinn Park um, and it's helped a lot like as you can see with the, the tickets have sold out and the atmosphere has been, been great so far and Nathan looking ahead in the season I suppose three games in 100% uh, record I suppose at the start of the season is that, what's your expectations uh, this year are you guys w- wanting to take on the likes of Cork and um, Dundalk in terms of top three positions is that something you feel like you can do this year yeah we're, we're same as last year we won a challenge Mainly when I get to Europe um, and, and see see uh, where we can get the after that. Um, if we can secure Europe, it'd be great again. Um, but there's no reason why we can't challenge. Um, we're a hard-working team, we're working hard, and, and we know what we want. Um, so hopefully we can carry on the good form that we're that we're in at the moment. I mean, Nathan, in terms of your own role, I know sort of Rory Patterson's injury has, has given you a major opportunity there. I think I read an interview you gave last year, I think it was, where I think the other players were slagging you in training, saying you were 30 because you'd been around the club for that long, but, um, <laughs> and, and you're not 30, just to clarify. Um, but this, this opportunity, you've had to be patient, but you must be reveling in it at the moment. Yeah, exactly. Um, I got on a lot quicker than I thought this year because pre-season had a few injuries and I didn't even think it was going to make the first game. Um, and then the call came 20, 25 minutes on the first game against Bowes and, and again, I knew I had to take my chance when Rory got injured. Um, and, and thankfully I did. You know, um, and I'm happy with it so far. Nathan, uh, over the years I've had some interesting managers uh, manage me at uh, different clubs. In terms of Kenny Shields, looking at it from the outside, he's certainly an interesting character. What's he like to deal with on a day-to-day in training? Um, he's a person you can talk to. Um, he's very good. He, the previous managers I wouldn't names, but you couldn't, you didn't feel comfortable talking to them, or they wouldn't come speak to you. Versus Kenny, um, he's very good at that. He's, he's very good at man managing stuff like that, and and understanding where you come from in certain situations. And I think I think that helps 
um, especially the young players, because we have a, a very young squad and, and they're at the moment. Is, is he very different uh, behind the dressing room door than the Kenny Shields you know, we see on interviews? And do you watch him on TV sometimes and go, oh, this doesn't seem like the Kenny I know? Or is he a very different man sort of behind the dressing room door? No, um, he's not very different at all. Um, with Kenny, what you see, really what you get. Um, it must be interesting team talks then. <laughs> there's a few. Um, there's a few. But um, he's very good now. Um, and he's, he's, he's the same, really. Um, I would say the best in the on site. Well, listen, Nathan, uh, congrats on your great start to the season. And yeah, thanks very much for joining us on the show. And hopefully, we'll check in with you later in the year. No worries. Cheers. Thank you. Shane, what are your thoughts on Derry? You, you did encounter them early in the season. It wasn't a great night for balls, but well, you know, are they viable challengers? Yeah, I think so. Um, they were actually the first team I played against when I came back into the league, and I was really impressed with them at that stage as well. And how they play, they they keep the pitch very big, you know, open, um, and they like to to switch the play. And obviously with Patterson up front and that, they've got a a good um, a link or a player up up top, you know, to to play off. So. They're a very good side. I thought might we played them recently. We are uh, the architects of our own downfall, but I think they definitely will be be up there um, competing. I'd be very surprised if they weren't. You think you'll, they'll challenge the top two? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, I don't think it's going to be the two boys out in front again. Um, I believe that Derry will be, be definitely up there competing and looking at the way they've started. I think they fancy themselves. Shamrock Rovers, lads. I mean, are they at Minato? We're, uh, we're talking about Derry making the leap. I know it's, again, classic early days in the season. Um, Rovers lose to Derry last Friday, going winning Galway on Monday. But are you seeing signs there that they're ready to to, comp- to contend? Not for the title, no. I think th- again, Rovers is they were twenty two points behind Dundalk last year, and I think that's a gap you can't bridge back in one season. Uh, I know Dundalk have lost a game already, but I think Rovers it's it's a I think Rovers is more interested what's going on otherwise. I mean, what they're trying to do the the match nights to really have changed an awful lot of things. So it's not just about what happens in they're the playing, minutes. We should mention they're playing Cork City on Friday, yeah. St. Patrick's Day. It's actually five o'clock. They've yeah. moved the game just to try and, uh, I suppose, get some of the St. Patrick's Day atmosphere in what, early. What, what they want to do is get people into the ground, which League of Ireland clubs have always been bad at. It's very hard. Some grounds, it's very hard to spend money. There's no room in half the grounds. Yeah, but the, you know, you, you can't. There's, there's no souvenir shop. Yeah. There's, no, there's nowhere to buy sweets. You know, one thing that bugs me about summer soccer, it's very hard to buy ice cream at League of Ireland grounds. If you bring kids to a match... How much, does it, how much does this buggy the ice cream? Well, no, but it, it, if you bring a kid, like, you know, you're trying to get a kid to come to a match, it's very hard. It's something as simple as that. So what Champion mm. Rovers are doing is trying to make it more of an experience. They have these ex-players coming in. They have a member of management staff coming in to talk about the night. They get an ex-player to come in. I think it's Dan Murray this began. They're doing a lot of things off the field. So with Shamrock Rovers, I think this, it's not just about whether they win or lose the league this year. It's trying to have a, have a club. I think they'd be a bit closer this year, but I don't think they're close enough to, to challenge. I think they're st- still a bit away from finding their team as well. A few changes up front. Gary Shaw came in last week. Um, uh, you know, Sean Boyd has, has started coming in and out. Michael O'Connor has come in and out. It, it's they haven't got, I think got that that team yet. That maybe s- some other. I think Joe Coffey knows his team. I think Stephen Kenny, players all fit, knows his team. I don't think Stephen Bradley does, but they will be closer this year. They'll, the aim, I think, is to bridge that twenty-two point gap, qualify for Europe again, and in time be in a position to challenge for the league. It, it is the one thing that is striking, though, that if you do go over to England just to visit a club, that even the smallest club in League Two, there's other stuff going on on non-match days. I think I remember being over in Scunthorpe a couple of years ago interviewing Panny Madden, 
and I was like shown to an interview room. Then you know, got down to like door three there, and I went in. And I was waiting to chat to Paddy Madden, and then I saw people filtering down the corridor, and I said, oh, well, "Where are they going to?" And there was a wake on <laughs> down the way. So like, the club was such an integral part of the community. That, the GA you know, club, wasn't yeah, it? <laughs> this is the thing. Like people were, you know, it was, an, it was the central hub, yeah. and I think that's the interesting thing about Rovers and what they're at. But the thing is, they got a great crowd the first game of the season. A slight drop, I think, for the Derry game, but nothing dramatic, and it was a tough night, but. There probably is an element of pressure to get results, regardless of how good your match day experience is. They probably do need to contend. Yeah, because the supporters there put Stephen Kenny under pressure. You know, one of the top managers. You know, all the managers that have been there. The supporters expect them to be winning trophies out there. Now, it's probably an unrealistic expectation. But for me, I'm trying to understand: Are Rovers going to be challenging Derry this year? Because I think that's a good benchmark for them to see. I think that they will. That'll be. I think we know the top two, but I think Shamrock Rovers will challenge Derry and Shane. I think we, we spoke earlier about the, the crowd response has been quite positive this season, and they're, they're realistic. Um, but I guess Galway is a game that the fans, as much as they're realistic about certain things, will want three points from from this fixture. Yeah, if you're looking at it like that, um, the last couple of results have been good, and on a crest of a bit of a wave at the moment. So. Of course, you're going in. You're going to try win every game. Galway are a decent side as well. Um, I'm not sure how they've done in their first couple of games. I'll probably be looking at them tomorrow night and get an idea a bit more about them. Um, two of my ex teammates are up with them from Ipswich days. So I'm is that David Ca- David Carley and Ronan Murray? Yeah. So I'm looking forward to coming up against them on on Friday night. So. Do you encounter many people in the league that you've sort of met at various times? Yeah, it was guys actually. When I signed back, myself and Ian Morris signed back to, uh, to Bowes together, and myself and Morris were all the way up Ireland their age. Um, we played against each other when we were a kid schoolboy. He was at Joey's and then Lourdes Celtic, and um, myself at Home Farm. Uh, and Lourdes were the, the two top teams at the time. Uh, and a lot of our lads went away. Nine from my club went to England or Scotland, and from Lourdes, I think five or six went away. So, yeah, Morrow was it was good to, to sign with, with Ian when, uh, when I came back to, to the League of Ireland, and he's a great pro. Unbelievable pro. I'm very unlucky with injuries. Should be still across the water, to be honest. But um, and he's a, he's a great lad. He's the, one of the club the, um, underage uh, directors of football. So he's doing a lot of work as well on that kind of trying to build up bows um, on the underage structures as well. Had a big win over Sunderland recently, didn't they? Yeah, they were over. 19s were over, and they beat um, Sunderland's under under 18s or 19s. Yeah, three one. So there's a lot of good lads there coming through as well. Because I mean, the nature of the league often is is year to year, even for players, mm. for everyone. And I know we sort of joking earlier that you could have 10 years left or whatever. But does that Daily Mount Park project is that something that sort of makes you, appeals to you? Because there is an opportunity there to be mm. part of something if everything goes to plan and I know there's maybe hurdles to cross to get there yeah to, be, to give you my honest opinion I'd love to stay at Daily Mount as it is really but, uh, yeah because I just think it has a bit of character about it and something special about the place and the history there and everything um, around it the players that play there down through the years um, it's, it's a great ground to play play at so I, just, I worry sometimes the, the move you know clubs have done it in the past and they just haven't quite got the same response um, and the all weather pitch coming in as well I don't really you know doesn't appeal to me but I, I, I love both you know and God knows what's going to happen down next season or wherever where we'll be but where anyone will be but I'd, I'd love to stay the way it is <laughs> to be honest yeah, it's interesting I, I think uh, the change will be good I, th- I think they really need to the facilities and the grounds and if you look out in Tala, Rovers trying to get people there early, you can't do that at Daily Mount, mm-hmm. you know, you're walking up the laneway and you're, you don't know what's going to happen. But um, no, I think progress is for me is we have to develop the facilities around the country in each, each area. I still think it's going to be a struggle for the Dublin clubs to create an identity, no matter which Dublin club it is, without having that Dublin element to it. And I think that's where the, the county clubs, like if you look at Dundalk and um, what they did last year, they, they became 
an identity for for the for soccer in Ireland. I think Cork can do that as well. So I think it's going to be a struggle in terms of the Dublin clubs and where they go with this. But um, really exciting if you're in a in a one of the regional clubs that you can actually go and create something. And um, Bray Wanderers have been uh, one of the more entertaining teams this season. There's been a goals galore in all of well, I think most of their games at this mm-hmm. stage. And um, they go to Sligo on Saturday. I don't, well, how would you assess that one? Sligo are still. You know, they're I one of the teams that are down there. Yeah, I think Sligo are in, are in a bit of trouble and they just can't replicate what they what they had last year. Obviously a big change over in, in players and maybe the, the squad that's there at the moment isn't quite to the level that was there last year. Bray, I think, are just going to blow hot and cold. I mean, I, I saw them uh, away to Bohemians where... Uh, 2-0 up early in the second half cruise and that should have been three points and, and just f- very, very poor d- defensively. Uh, both are very strong. Keith Ward and Dini Corkin got, the, got them back into the game and then to go around. I think Bray is just going to be a, an interesting story. They're going to score goals. They're going to concede goals. I think th- the project there is to, to progress them. I think Dundalk's success in Europe has made an awful lot of clubs sit up and take notice, particularly in, ter- in terms of the money and the prestige. Um, you know, you put all your efforts into winning the league, you get 100 grand, you get through one round in, in Europe and you get 400 grand. I think a lot of clubs are thinking, why not us? Uh, I think Bray, Bray are aiming for that. So, But I think it's going to be hard to do because I just think Bray, that kind of side, they're going to blow hot and cold. A lot of changes in the team. I think the, the team between the last two games, a lot of changes in the in the, in the the 11. Uh, again, pr- Harry Kenny probably still trying to find his, his best 11 and relying very much on uh, Dylan Connolly. Good that they've retained him. Uh, I think they're going to expect a lot from him and from Anto Flood to, to score goals. Uh, if, they do, if those two don't deliver, maybe they might struggle a bit. So I don't know if Bray are going to be able to do that. Uh, they need to challenge the likes of Derry City Shamrock Rovers to get that European spot. And I don't know if they're going to do it this year. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I, I think we spoke about Bray. I think they are going to be hot and cold. <coughs> the players that they've signed there, there's a lot of experience around the league. But it's guys who are at the top clubs and they never quite made it at the top clubs. And the reason is that they don't do it week in, week out. Um, from a Sligo perspective, Worrying, you know, you want to get that point. But like, if you're if you're in Galway's dressing room, Sligo's dressing room, Pat's now one point so far this season, you're, you're starting to get worried. Um, we have been we have been talking about that. We did get a text pointing out that I think we've gone on about the Dublin clubs being worried for the first couple of weeks, and now we're, we're now there's the Western clubs, you know, Galway and Sligo and Finn Harps that are ones in trouble. But is it? You think Sligo are in that bracket? That the I think they should have enough there. You know, when, when you look at how they did last year towards mm-hmm. the end of the season, they were very strong. But it's the momentum again. If you go. If you got to your first 10 games and you haven't managed to get that win, you're not scoring goals, the crowd are getting on the people's back, and you have to think about possibly changing managers, which is what people will do. Um, yeah, I think you can set yourself uh, a, a mountain too far to climb. So, yeah, I think there, there's going to be real pressure there for, for any clubs now with the three teams going down. Um, Shane, you were a busy man in Limerick the other night. Um, they play Finn Harps this weekend. What, what were your thoughts? Uh, again, on Saturday, I should say, Limerick Harps on Saturday, so was Sligo Bray. Um, yeah, what were your impressions of Limerick? They're a very good side and pace, a lot of pace in the side and the boy Tossie up front as well. He's a, a good link man, very strong, physical, reads the game very well and brings other people into play. Um, they like to play football again as well. They play out from the back. Um, so they were they were very good against us the other night and possibly maybe could have snuck a draw over it or they probably feel maybe a, a win as well. But they're a good side and you can see them, you know, being possibly up, you know, further up the table um, considering they're a team that came up from the division below but I think they're going to take a lot of points off teams and just finally on Saturday lads we've got Dundalk and St Pat's a game that's been moved from Friday but for Pat's this is a this is a tough one it's very tough you're going there and you, you really wouldn't fancy them but I think the one thing is there's no pressure on them no one's expecting an- to do anything here you know Liam Buckley will, will go into that they have to set up they've, they hopefully with Dundalk off the back of that result they, they're going to 
try and get a bit of momentum in terms of they've after losing one, can we put them under pressure early? But I really don't see them getting anything out of this. I think Dundalk will kick on and, and, and recover quite quickly because that's the nature of Stephen Kenny's teams. Anytime they have a they have a problem, they they tend to bounce back really quickly. Just quickly, Shane, with your views on artificial pitches, I'm guessing you didn't enjoy. Uh, the old Oriel, I know it's mm. slightly changed now, but I, I can't imagine that was your favourite yeah. venue in the world then. <laughs> no, it was an old, it's an old, obviously, artificial ground. Um, one of the, the oldest ones there. So, yeah, there was a couple of cuts on the knees after that game. So I wouldn't, no, I didn't enjoy that now really, especially after losing as well. Well, next up for the dog after the Pats game is their quite significant game with Cork City, which is Saturday of next week. The reason that they're playing on Saturday next week is that Ireland are playing Wales on Friday night, Friday week. Um, the Aviva Stadium, a huge World Cup qualifier, and one player who was involved with Dundalk last season and is hoping to be involved with Ireland through the rest of the World Cup campaign is Andy Boyle, who's since moved to Preston, since broken into the team, and we caught up with Andy for a chat earlier. Uh, you're very welcome to the show, Andy. How are things going? It's been, a, I suppose, an exciting couple of weeks for you. Good, thanks, man. Yeah, um, it has been the last couple of weeks, and you know, I got myself, um, obviously, make my debut um, last week at Derby, and then obviously the, the follow-up fixture the weekend, we had a good result at home to Redden, and uh, obviously the good news is been involved in the provisional squad for the, the 29-man squad for, for Ireland, so yeah, it's, it's been a good week for me. Yeah, I mean, Andy, obviously, I caught up with you in January just when you moved over, and there was a, there was a lot going on at the time. You, you hadn't lived away before. You were living out of a hotel. Are you settled in now, not just sort of football-wise, but even just to the area and, and the whole experience of, of living away? Yeah, definitely. Um, obviously, the first few weeks, it, it takes a bit of time. The, the club couldn't have to, to put us up in a hotel for however long we needed it. But um, obviously, living out of a hotel is not ideal, so... Uh, first part of Harvest Day to get a house and that sort of, which, which uh, was able to do pretty quickly uh, for a couple of weeks and um, ever since then haven't looked back really it's, it's been it's been great having um, the house and Andy how's life there. settling in over there in terms of you've gone over now um, and a lot of, I've heard a lot of people saying you'll find it different going to a full time setup. have you found it hugely different from, from transitioning from Dundalk over to, to the style of Preston train in, in terms of day to day wise yeah, well, I think that the main difference is obviously training in, in the mornings and rather than training in the evenings. That's probably the, the biggest difference. Um, intensity wise, it's, it's did you it's struggle quite to get out of bed? Was it? That's yeah, probably the hardest. I was getting out of bed in the morning. Well, <laughs> um, now yeah, it's like everything else. You get used to it, and um, obviously the facilities are very good over here. And, uh, the players don't kind of need for anything, and. Um, but yeah, like I really enjoyed it. It took a couple of weeks to to get settled into that. But since then, I've really enjoyed it. Yeah. Andy, can you talk about the difference in the the crowds? Um, you know, I think in the League of Ireland, five thousand for a, for a, any match would be a decent crowd. Whereas I think I read that Preston, you're bringing five thousand fans to to your again this weekend. In terms of you're, where, where going to somewhere like Hillsborough, some of the grounds you'd be going to playing in front of the the, the rising standards that brings playing in front of you know if you go Dellen Road, there could be thirty thousand there. The, the the challenges that brings. Yeah, um, I suppose the bit of experience we've had with the, the European run, that you're playing in front of bigger crowds, you kind of you can draw on them experiences. But um, I think that the last away game we had a Wigan was maybe something like four or five thousand. This this weekend we're, we're bringing four or five thousand to to Blackburn, so it's it's, uh, it's obviously a big difference in the following but, uh, and multiple home games again, double figure like say ten thousand plus more. Uh, Derby went forward to the home debut uh, it was 26,000 at that game so like they're, they're 
a bigger crowd and but I think it's someday once the game gets going and you it's just like any other game and that's what you have to kinda your mind has to be and the, and the focus towards it. I mean, Andy, you were in the league you know, for quite a long time and I suppose it came to a point in a, in a given season on a given Friday where you're probably coming all, always coming up against players you've played against before. Uh, just going to a completely new league now, in terms of preparation, is that any different? Are you doing extra stuff yourself almost, researching some of the strikers you're coming up against because it must be fresh for you every week in terms of their style and, and their movements and so on? Yeah, definitely. I think uh, coming up every week, you, you get uh, obviously the, the players you might come up against, and obviously I'm looking at the strikers and, and, and seeing who you're going to play against. Um, but all the support is there for you. you can see all the clips you want of various movements as a defender. Obviously, their set plays, their attacking set plays, their defending set plays. So, in, in that way, yeah, coming into the unknown against players you've, you've never played against, but a lot of help is there for you. So, you're not totally gone into the unknown when you're playing against uh, these new players. Earlier this week, Andy obviously had the, the squad coming out for uh, Wales, um, Iceland and Boost Yourself being in the uh, provisional squad. Um, bit of talk about Daryl possibly playing a role against Wales. Realistic for yourself, are you looking at, at Iceland, hoping to, first of all, make the actual travelling squad and, and get a run against Iceland or is is Wales in your uh, in your, in your your thoughts? Well, it's your first form, obviously, I've just got to get into the team over here. So um, <coughs> it was great to be involved in Sorry, now I'm in the 29-man squad. But now the aim is that I mean the team is to is hopefully to make the final squad and and with a view of playing in a part in, in at least one of the games and probably the more realistic one of the two is obviously Iceland. Um, we know how, we know how big a game it is on Friday night in the fall of four, so um, it's probably unlikely that obviously the fans are going to be thrown into that. But I think Iceland is a bit more realistic, so. Just focus on hopefully having a, a get into the team this weekend for my own club and, and going from there. And, uh, you, John, are to make the final squad, yeah. So, so, Andy, do you feel sentimental at all? Do you I mean do you miss the, the carpool and the drive up to the dock a couple of days a week? And the glorious accent. <laughs> yeah. um, well, we still have the, the WhatsApp group, so we can kind of keep in touch on that. They haven't but, kicked uh, you out, no? They haven't? No, they haven't. I haven't, haven't been forced to leave it yet, but, um, unless they have a, a new group on the sky now. But, <laughs> or, not that I don't know. But the no, um, minus Andy. Yeah, that's it, minus Andy, yeah. Um, not to be fair, I, I try to keep in contact with, with all the lads from Dundalk and, um, and obviously including the car school. Yeah, had great times up there and they're, they're hopefully mates they can keep in touch with for life really yeah I mean I know Connor Clifford would be up there now to, in a, a sort of an old pal of yours I mean just finally how do you think they'll fare this year I know it's maybe might be unfair to put you on the spot and, and ask you if they're going to retain the league but just with the shape of the squad from afar uh, how do you reckon they'll, they'll get on yeah I think to be honest with you I've said it before I think they'll do really well I think um, I know the result on Monday night wasn't 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 the best result away from home, but Derry's a tough place to go. I think Derry will be good this year as well. And I think honestly Dundalk are still the team to beat. Um, this this group of players there and group of characters that you, you know that what you're going to get from them. And when it comes down to the business end of the season, I'm sure that Dundalk will be there thereabouts. And um, I I myself think that Dundalk are the team to beat, and uh, I wish them all the best. As I said, it was a great bunch of lads and a great great bunch of staff. And, Stuff like that, so I, I, can, I can wish them nothing but what the best for the for the season coming up. Okay, Andy. Well, listen. Thanks so much for joining us. I know you've you've a big derby this weekend against Blackburn, and yeah, hopefully you'll you'll be in that final squad next week, and and we might see you then. So thanks for talking to us, Andy. 
Not Sal. Thanks for taking the call out. Shane, we've just heard from Andy Boyle there, who um, went to England, met his debut actually on his 26th birthday. I'm just wondering, from your perspective, I know Damo as well went over quite young. Uh, do you think that is a preferable route for players to go over that bit later now? I think for certain lads, definitely it helps. Um, they're in a bit better space, maybe mentally, and they've got a lot more experience under the belt of playing first team football or men's football, if you want to call it that. So. I think for a lot of lads, especially now with the new structures coming in in the League of Ireland down the different age groups, I think it's going to be a better pathway for for players to go and you know like they'd be able to stay in their education here and and get that before leaving you know as the you traditionally did at 16 or 15 years of age. So I think you're always going to get the few the likes of the Robbie Brady's and these kind of guys who are always going to you know be special and go over at the early age and you know uh, and break through. But for for other lads the likes of Andy and and Daryl even. It gives them a great platform and you know stage to play on and, and impress and, and get that chance then um, when they're older. Well, one person who has gone to England, um, but only for this week, and we're, we're hoping he comes back, I think. I'm not sure how Damo feels, but we have got Johnny Ward on the line. Johnny, live from Cheltenham. How are you getting on? Very well. It sounds like you've uh, taken over my kind of presenting role already, which is, uh, which is reassuring. I just think the, the professionalism, the poise that he's brought to the show this week in terms of the intro on that, I think you're under serious pressure. Johnny, there hasn't been a single question about Damo's clothes, what Shane's wearing, what Edo Fitzmaurice Ado is here is wearing. We've just got our way through it. Um, you know, business-like enough. But the main thing is, do you still have your shirt at this stage after the first couple of days? Or how are you faring over there? I like the I like the kind of moving of the uh, one kind of uh, you know shot. piece of clothing to another seamless. Yeah, it's not great, and now it has to be said. Uh, hanging on in there. Um, one bookmaker said that it was almost embarrassing how far ahead they were of the punters, and uh, you know with two of them getting beaten, uh, anything is possible really. Derry might even win the league. Yeah, well, I mean that could be your only saving grace at this stage. Just people aren't aware. Uh, Johnny has. 50 euro with me at 33 to 1 on Derry to win the league. So You're safe, Dan. You're safe. Do you think I'm still okay? You're safe. You're okay. Yeah, what is 50 multiplied by 33? That is the question. We'll get back to you uh, next week on that one. It's a lot. Well, Johnny, I mean, <laughs> I must say, Johnny, like Galway United aren't exactly faring very well either at the moment. Are you getting a bit anxious? Yeah, like I think the, the Bowes game is going to be big now and I do fancy us to get a result there because I think they're probably not as good as their results would suggest and we're certainly not as bad as ours would. Uh, you know, by all accounts, I was actually over here on Monday night, but we played well against Rovers, I think, and it was just, Gary Shaw has, you know, the proverbial Indian sign over us, um, but, you know, we should have beaten Harps, we should have beaten Drogheda, we should have gotten something against Rovers. A lot of should have there, and, but, you know, the bottom line is we've one point from 15 if we don't get something on uh, Friday night, so we've spoken enough about the 10-team league that's impending, you know, there is pressure already, and uh, it's just incumbent on, you know, Shane Keegan to ensure that the players don't feel it yet, because it's still very early days. Well, now, Johnny, obviously you were here last week uh, presenting the show and we did get quite a few tweets uh, in response. A couple from Dundalk fans slightly unhappy with your uh, condemnation of them. You don't... Uh, I mean, uh, any particular interest group you're planning to offend during the course of this section, Johnny, or how are you feeling about that this week? No, no, no not, not really. I, I came on, you know, as a kind of a... as a loyalty to the show, um, you know, just to kind of see how Ada was getting on, see how you're getting on, see what Damien is wearing and, uh, you know, just basically make my presence felt because, you know, I, I, I felt a bit like David Brent when he was sacked and he returned to the office with his dog, you know, it was kind of like I was a, a spare one and, uh, you know, I, I don't want that to be the case. 
Well, uh, that is, I mean, it's, it's about time you compared yourself to David Brent in some shape or form. Johnny, I sort of embraced that. But you can stay with us as we go through some of the other um, non-threatening tweets, I think, uh, what we would uh, refer to them as. Um, I'm going to throw it open to the lads here. A uh, question from Just Burko. It's a tough one, I think. Who's the better prospect, Shawnee Maguire, Paddy McElhenney, or Dylan Connolly? Oof. Who am I going to throw that to? Damo. I'll jump in. I think Maguire. I think he's got everything. I think he's... D- we were talking there about staying behind, learning to play at senior football level. He went away. He's, he's come back now. So I just think he's got all the attributes. When I looked at him in European football last year, I thought he was phenomenal. So, uh, yeah, I think he's, he's the one. Lads? McElhinney for me. I think uh, he will leave Dundalk at the end of the season. I'd hate to see him go into the Championship or League One. I'd love to see somebody like McElhinney playing in a, in a European league somewhere like Holland. Uh, I think he really would, would thrive there. Obviously, I'd love to see him stay in Ireland and, and obviously his international career. I know that's been discussion at the moment given Michael O'Neill's comments at the weekend, but uh, for me, McElhinney, I just think he's that, that gift, that, that insight, uh, just natural talent, uh, different to other players. Maguire, finisher, Connolly, pace, but I think McElhinney just has that n- natural talent that you can't coach. I'm not going to answer that question because I have to play against these lads. So I, don't <laughs> <upset anyone. laughs> I think that's fair. <laughs> Johnny does not have to play against these lads. I think, Johnny, you're probably more disgusted that Aaron McInef isn't included in that question. Yeah, I believe McInef is uh, probably, maybe if he hasn't shown it quite yet, I think he's worthy of being in that quartet if you were to add him in. But it's actually a great question. I mean, you could certainly make a case for the three of them. I think technically McElhinney would wipe the floor with the other two. Uh, you know, I made the point when I was tipping him up to be top scorer last season, I said, this lad's a better player than Richie Towle. And I'd now go as far as say he's a better player than Daryl Horgan. Uh, maybe I'm going to be wrong on that, but I think he's completely untapped potential. His two issues are he gets injured a fair bit and he's not blessed with amazing pace, unlike Connolly. But uh, he's just such a such a gifted, gifted player technically. And what really shone out for me last year in Europe was that he seemed to have time on the ball, which which looked impossible in in games against Zenit and Alkmaar in particular. But he was able to manage. Uh, manufacture space for himself and un- unlike uh, rather like Edo I think he won't be here too long unfortunately uh, I don't know I just think we have to be careful here I think McElhenney yeah great talent but in modern day society a few good matches a few tweets and everyone's raving about someone I think he's a long way to like go Johnny is a presenter to be e- fair exactly yeah, yeah. but no, I, I generally like, he, it's only four <laughs> games in you talk about European football last year he wasn't one of the, hi- the, the stars of the European run last year there was other players in there I remember Borisov away he wasn't disciplined enough on the wing at times so I still think there's room for him don't get me wrong he's, he's a phenomenal prospect but I do think he needs to do it for a longer spell this season um, another question this is quite a good one I think why are there Monday night matches um, I'm conscious that clubs want shorter seasons, but gates are much less than those nights. Well, Edo, this is a product of our shortened season. Short though. season. And ask anybody, nobody wants them. Players don't want them. Managers don't want them. Fans don't want them. You look at Monday's games, Finn Harps away to St. Pat's having to, to come down. There was very, very small Finn Harps support there in Dublin. Nobody wants them. Uh, Liam Buckley asked him about it after the game. He said, drop them, make the season longer, have everybody get, get people in the habit of going to Friday nights, uh, drop the Monday night games, and I'd be fully in favour of that. I, I think the, the crowds are down, the atmosphere is down, media coverage is down, nobody likes them, get rid of them. Yeah, I mean, listen, we, uh, we had a lot of other tweets, we're not going to be able to go through them all, but again, please drop, them, uh, drop us a line on Twitter at LOI Weekly, we will try and deal with them. Uh, we should talk about the first division as well. I suppose um, I'm sort of standing in, I'm sort of like a Colin Fortune figure here, uh, standing in for Johnny, uh, when everyone knows who the natural presenter of the, of the show is, and we did have the story last week, lads, and again, this is a slightly unusual situation today, but I might come to you on this, that uh, Athlone Town announced a couple of games into the season that Ricardo Monsanto is, their n- is now their head coach, even though there was a suspicion in pre-season that he might have been doing some of that. 
and they started off with a 3-0 defeat to Longford uh, in a classical. He must be under pressure after uh, losing his first game. Yeah, it's like a comedy down there. You don't know what's going on. Um, how, how, like, does anyone really know what the story is down there with that loan and what, what's, who's running the club? Who's They've got outside investment uh, from, uh, from Portuguese investors. I've heard Chinese has been mentioned as a possible option. Um, I'm yeah. not sure if the players Russian know. oligarch is the next uh, one, is it? Half of the squad have, have been recruited. I think there's a guy out so who's come in a, from... There's a Latvian, there's uh, a couple of French. But it's, just, it's been very strange. You know, two of the signings were announced, announced on some French website that it wasn't at Long Town. <laughs> it was Lequipe. Yeah, yeah it, it, wa- it wasn't the, you know, the West Mead Independent <laughs> or, or somebody who, who was... <laughs> so maybe we're into a different level, but it, it's very strange. The fact that very little clarity. Uh, you had a situation last week where, you know, a journalist who was interviewing the manager after the game uh, you know, first student club like Athlone should be glad of, of any coverage they get, and, and he's been shepherded and, and interview overheard by a club official, and it's a lot of very strange things going on at Athlone. Um, uh, I think we need need clarity from us, need clarity from the FAI. I think on on was due diligence performed? Who are these people? What what who are the people who come in? Where does the money come from? Because a lot of we don't know uh, in Dublin, and a lot of people in Athlone don't know. Is the situation in Athlone trouble you, Johnny? I know they're sort of Galway's they were Galway's traditional rivals for a while, weren't they? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, in some respects, we'd be bigger rivals to Athlone than Sligo, despite the fact that obviously Sligo are in Connacht. And uh, we we had some good games against them down the years. And I find it sad uh, what's happened to Athlone. And I've, I've great time for Colin Fortune and, you know, what he was trying to, you know, mould into a team that might be aspiring towards uh, getting to the Premier Division again. Because they're not so much a sleeping giant, but they've certainly fallen on pretty hard times with the exception of that one season in the Premier Division. And, you know, the rumours I'm hearing about these... Um, you know, colourful individuals. Just, just, just be careful about this, Johnny. This is when this is when the red alarm starts to go off in my head here. Um, All I'll say is, and I, I'm conscious of the fact I, I uh, can't say much. The rumours would would lead me to be sceptical about the intentions of the people involved, and uh, I thought it was a disgrace the way Colin was treated. You know, he he got together quite a lot of good players, some from around the Midlands Galway region, and. Uh, you know, he obviously has, has a plan for the future and he certainly has the best intentions of the club at heart. So uh, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if this was an ephemeral thing with these uh, new guys in, but let's see. Listen, we're getting towards time to wrap this up. I should have mentioned earlier, we've got Derry and Limerick also, a refixed game uh, in Bunkrana next Tuesday. Obviously, the lights went out on the first one. Johnny, just before I let you go, uh, be good to our listeners. Give us something for the Gold Cup on Friday or something we can, uh, you know, we can talk about next week. Yeah, like if um if if you can get a bit of a price on Ten Hill in the Albert Bartlett, uh, he'd be my selection. No chance. There's no chance. Yeah, and I think more of that in the Gold Cup with the prices. You know, we 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 need we need to have two days to look forward to at the minute because it just seems like a losing dressing room in in Cheltenham at the moment. You know, a lot of a lot of people with their heads down, but two days left. Please, are, are you actually enjoying the week? It's hard to Dan, you know, you just you're working all day. It starts early and oh, poor Johnny, you're working all day, are you? <laughs> He's gone. He's left he's us. This that they know <laughs> the, the sheer presence of you asking him a question has completely spooked Johnny, and he's gone. He's left us. But I think that maybe is a sign that it is just time to go. Johnny will be back next week. We hope, um, if all goes to plan. I just want to thank Shane Stubble for coming in. Okay. Hopefully, we'll we'll have you back again. Ado, podcasting your discussions, your thoughts on it at this stage. Yeah, we'll try it again. We'll try it again. Okay. <laughs> well, listen, that sounds good. Contact us as ever. Aloy Weekly. Follow us on iTunes on SoundCloud, and we'll be back next week.